Hello, everybody. This is your AS Natural Health Podcast. My name is Michael Eisner, and I'm your host today. We have Ash Diana as our guest. Ash is 24 years old. She's from the UK and lives in the UK. She comes from an unstable background. Her mother was a chronic alcoholic. She was both physically and mentally abused by her mother. This set into motion a chain of events leading to a medical diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis and PTSD. She currently works full-time in the IT in an IT industry, but her passion lies with both helping people and writing. She found relief from her symptoms and has begun to work with clients as an unofficial coach. With the goal of eventually turning it into a full-time job, she is also has a great love for writing and a wish to explore it further in a blog she's launching soon. A pleasure to have you here. Really great to meet you, Ash. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. Um, before we begin, I'd like to ask you, have you ever been to Canada? Yes, I actually went this year. Um, my other half has got family out there, so we actually visited um, Brantford, um, just outside of downtown Toronto, and then we took a little trip out to Algonquin and all around there, uh, Kingston, and went to Quebec and Montreal. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful place. Cool. Beautiful. Okay. Um, awesome. Excellent. Glad you've been here. It's a great place. Um, yeah. Okay, well, let's dive in there. Um, tell me what kind of a person you were before your symptoms began. So before my symptoms began, firstly, I was obviously very young. Um, and I came from quite an angry place, I think, most of the time. Um, it wasn't an outward anger. I was quite a accomplished person. I achieved quite a lot in my young life. Um, but there was a sort of critical inner voice that kind of underlined everything that I did, um, which really did affect me, mainly with friendships and relationships and obviously family relationships as well. Um, so, yeah, that was that was kind of me, really. I was very quiet, um, very angry, and I'd have the odd outburst, which would kind of shock people. And then I'd just go back to being the usual quiet, accomplished person, really. Hmm. Okay. Um, you also mentioned uh, a lack of self-confidence. How did that, mm -hmm. what was that like? So growing up, um, I, did, I came from a really unstable environment um, where there was a lot of blame put on my shoulders as a young, as a young child. Um, so I didn't have kind of like the solid foundations that some people come from. Um, having that sort of belief in yourself that I think quite a lot of people were instilled with at a young age. Um, I had an inner voice which kind of came from my parents, my mum and my stepdad growing up, which was very much, you're not good enough, um, you're evil, these sort of negative thoughts that I carried with me into my my years as I got older. Um, and that has kind of, that kind of started the, the lack of confidence that I had in myself. Um, and I then, I grew from it from there. So... I had this foundation which was quite shaky. I didn't really have a lot of belief in myself because I didn't have a lot of belief in my parents growing up. And then everything that would happen to me in my life that would kind of add to the negativity, I would just put it straight down to me being a bad person. So you miss your bus, you're a bad person. You know, you failed your 
assignment, you're a bad person. And I kind of just built this foundation stronger and stronger and stronger. But I wasn't a very good person. And obviously, the more I did that, the less confidence that I had in myself. Um, and the more my symptoms started to spiral, really. Okay. Um, so your lack of self-confidence, it wasn't in obviously achieving because you said you, you were always a, an achiever. It was more in, uh, and how you thought about yourself or. Yeah. So when I talk about being an achiever, it just meant that, um, I never really struggled. I didn't struggle at school. I didn't struggle with with anything like that um but when it comes to kind of the things that I think I wanted to do I would never sort of put myself in that position so as I've said to you I I love writing um and I think had I had the confidence at a younger age I probably would have pursued that whereas in the things that I felt comfortable in the schoolwork and stuff like that it was very easy for me I achieved it quite well um but I never put myself outside of that comfort zone because I just didn't have the self-confidence in myself to kind of go for things so yeah, in in the aspect of the things that I was supposed to do as a child, you know, the school curriculum and things like that, I achieved it quite well, um, which I think is why it went so unnoticed with me at school and things like that, because there wasn't a sense of me holding myself back from everything. My school records were fine. If you looked at me on paper, I was doing okay. It was kind of in the background and in my personal life where I was really failing. Okay, okay. What were your physical symptoms once they began, and how old were you? Um, I was 19 when I had my first um, physical symptom, and I was at my dad's house, and I'd woken up that morning, and I had a really, really big pain in my left shoulder. Um, and I was holding my shoulder funny because the pain was just so great. And I went downstairs, and I said to my to my, my stepmom, um, something's wrong with my shoulder, I can't it's really painful, I couldn't move it, it was affecting my whole body. Um, and I went to the doctor, and the doctor took one look at my shoulder and said, you've got a frozen shoulder. Um, and he said to me, frozen shoulder, this is what you need to do, this is the kind of treatment that we need to look at if it doesn't get any better, and sent me off with a prescription and sent me home. And then the next day... He gave you a what? Did you say a prescription? Yeah, a prescription for some pain medications, kind of help whilst the, whilst the shoulder was bad. Um, I can't remember what it was that he prescribed to me, but he said that a frozen shoulder was something that would just come and go, basically, for the rest of your life. Um, and then the next morning I woke up and there was no pain in my shoulder. There was no sign of any any pain at all. Um, and then those symptoms carried on for, from then on. So I was at university and I would be on campus and my, my foot would go or my leg would go. Um, and obviously they'd visibly inflame and they'd be very, very sore. And I would kind of just like take myself back to my room and hide myself away and wait for the pain to go. Um, and looking back on it now, and obviously over the past few months, I've realised that there was a, such an underlying um, issue with self-love there because I believed it was all in my head. Um, I was still speaking to my mother at the time and I, I spoke to her about the symptoms and she said, oh, you've always been such a hypochondriac, you know, there's... You, you have such a low pain threshold, you're probably just stressed and you're kind of bringing this into your body. Um, so it actually took me until I'd moved in with my partner um, a few years later and I'd woken up one night and my, my arm was so bad and I'd wrapped a scarf around it to kind of sort the pain or try to contain it. Um, and he said to me, Ash, this, is, this isn't normal, like your, your shoulder's huge, this isn't, 
this isn't just in your head. Um, and that was when I went to the doctor and I tried to explain my symptoms to them and they were just kind of looking at me with this blank look on their face, like, we don't, we don't know what it could be, maybe you're just really stressed out, maybe you're upset. Um, and it wasn't actually until my throat started going, my voice box would inflame. Um, and I went to the doctor because it happened to me about 12 times in the space of about six months. And I went to the doctor and I, I told my doctor this and she said, have you had any other symptoms? And I remember sitting in that chair and thinking in my head, oh, you're just you're just in your head, you're silly, like don't even say it. But I thought, no, she's a nice doctor, I'll, I'll tell her. So I told her the other symptoms that I'd been having. And I remember saying to her, oh, you probably think I'm crazy, but... Um, and the more and more that I said to her, the more she said, no, you, you need to go to a rheumatologist. So um, I got referred to a rheumatologist and I was fortunate enough to be in a private uh, health plan then, which we have in England. So I was seen very, very quickly. I went to the doctor, the rheumatologist, sorry, and um, he saw me and he said I had something called palindromic arthritis. You said you had something like what? Uh, it's called palindromic arthritis. Okay. So um, he told me that this was when my joints would visibly inflame and they'd be very, very sore, and then they would go down, but there was no lasting damage to the joint. This is what my uh, rheumatologist told me at the time. Um, but he said there was a concern that this could transition into rheumatoid arthritis. And lo and behold, in those two months since we put a name to what was actually happening to me, um, it did. My, my symptoms changed, and I was going from having these random flare-ups of pain to being in pain every day, um, and it transitioned, and by the time I went back for my next appointment, I had rheumatoid arthritis, so positive rheumatoid arthritis. Um, and that was how my diagnosis came about. It was very, very quick. I was very fortunate, I believe, to be diagnosed so quickly because I now understand it takes some people a really, really long time. Um, but I was actually 20 when I got diagnosed, so it was a very, very quick diagnosis. Um, but also the rate of progression um, between when I was first went in and the three months after when I actually got diagnosed was really significant. Um, it was about three or four months after that that I was completely bedridden. I couldn't get out of bed for about six months. So it was a really fast-paced time for me that from the diagnosis to the actual um, dehabilitation that I experienced. You said you were out for six months. Is, is that when you took your simpatico from work? Yeah, so I took six months off work. Um, I was on methotrexate at the time, which really, were, really, really... You were what, sorry? You were uh, what? On methotrexate. Okay. You were prescribed yeah. that by your doctor? Yeah, I was prescribed that by my rheumatologist. Were you prescribed anything else? Um, yeah, so the first thing that they put me on was hydroxychloroquine, um, and there was something else as well, um, and that didn't work. And then they put me on to the methotrexate, which I was on for those six months. And then after that, eventually I came off that and I was on sulfazalazine, which I was very, very allergic to. Um, and then I was on um, Humira, which I still take. Um, I'm weaning myself off it, but I still take an injection um, about every, I think it's six weeks now. So I'm working to wean myself off that at the moment. Okay. Okay. Great. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. Um, so let's go back, track back in time before the Humeran, uh, Humera, uh, to where you took your six month, six months off of work, and you were mm -hmm. bedridden. Is that right? Yeah. Um, it was a really. I, I'd like to say it was a really trying time, but to be honest with you, it was 
it's a blur, to be honest. Um, I was on methotrexate, which was very strong in my system. It wasn't even that much of a strong dose, but my system just could not handle it at all. What do you um, mean by it couldn't handle it? Um, I just, I reacted very, very badly to it. So I would wake up in the morning and um, I wouldn't be able to get up to have a shower. My other half would put me in the shower in the morning and then put me back into bed and I'd sleep all morning. Um, if I did get the chance to say, go down and walk to an appointment because I was seeing a um, acupuncturist at the time, I'd need to leave the house about two hours before my appointment and it was a 20 minute walk. Um, I'd need to leave my house about two hours before my appointment in order to be able to get there and rest because I was so completely exhausted. Um, and then I'd come straight back home and I'd sleep all afternoon and then I would wake up for about an hour in the evening whilst my partner was home and then I'd go back to sleep. And that was my routine for about six months. I was really, it just it massively negatively affected me. I was a bit of a zombie, to be honest with you. It made um, you really, really tired incredibly yeah the fatigue was was probably one of the the biggest symptoms that I had and my results improved whilst I was on the methotrex right um but my quality of life was just it was non-existent okay. you know I couldn't go outside in the sunshine and things like that so I came I took myself off that after six months just, um what what were sorry what were exactly your symptoms when you were on the was it methotrexate did you say? Okay. Yeah, so um, it was obviously the chronic fatigue was a really, really big symptom. Um, and also there were things like extreme dizziness. I got really, really bad ulcers constantly in, in, in my mouth. Um, awful migraines, like migraines that you need sunglasses to sleep in um, and, and things like that, really. What, what were the arthritic symptoms before, like when they were really bad, what was the arthritic symptoms? So I would get the visible inflammation in my joints um, where, and I wouldn't be able to move them. Where? where? What joints? Yeah. Um, my worst joints are my hands, uh, in particular my right hand, which has still got some long-term damage. Um, my knees and my feet were probably the second worst joint. They were constantly affected. Um, and then my shoulders. My shoulders are really bad. I also got it in my jaw a few times, which was very difficult and probably the worst place I've ever had a flare. Um because it affects your ability to talk or to smile or or anything. Um, but my main my main joints were my feet, my knees, and my hands and my wrists. Okay. Cool. Thanks for clearing that up. Sure. Um, so after the six months of <laughs> being a zombie, <laughs> you were like, "Let's get off this drug." What did you yeah. uh, What did you get on? Um, so I was on um, hydroxychloroquine, no, it wasn't, sulfazalazine for a while. Um, and then I took myself off that because it just made me very, very sick. Um, I should state here that I don't have a very good reputation with taking medication. Um, it's something that I'm getting better at. I have always had a bit of an issue with Western medication. Um, even when I was diagnosed, I remember sitting in the, in the chair and being told that I'd be on medication for the rest of my life. And I remember sitting there and saying, no, I won't. No way. Like, I, I won't do that to myself. Um, so I've never been very consistent with it. Um, but I did take sulfasalazine for a while and I came off that. And then I was able to be put onto Humira, which is, I think, it's an anti-TNF drug. I don't know much about the science behind it. It's, um, a, it's a biologic, right? Okay, yeah. So and I when was did put you on that. when did you start that? How long ago? 
Um, that was about a year ago. A year ago. Did you research it at all before you got on it? Um, yeah, I did. I spoke to quite a lot of people that I knew who took it, that referred to it as a miracle drug and things like that. And at the time, I was quite excited to be on it. Um, so I did. I, I did know a little bit about it. Um, it didn't really help with the fear of taking Western medication, but I, I did I did research slightly about it, and I spoke to my rheumatologist about it and why they felt it would be the best possible option. Okay. So you decided to take it about a year ago, and you've been taking it roughly every once a month at first, or um, it was once every two weeks. Okay. And then it went to about once every six weeks um, since my remission. Um, and um, okay, so how did uh, how how did you? So you went into remission how long ago? Would you consider, would you say? I went into, well, I've been in remission twice. It's important to say. Um, but I've been in remission this time around for, well, officially medically, three months. Um, but personally, six months um, since I have known that I've been in remission. Um, my last doctor's appointment confirmed it. But my quality of life and, for example, being able to go to Canada... Um, and not having any symptoms or issues at all kind of cemented for me and, and the people in my life that I wasn't suffering from any of those pains anymore. Okay. And what? Wow. you said there was another time when you went into remission, and when was that? Yeah, um, I went into remission around the first time that I started speaking to um, Ralph Ruiz, which I think you might be quite familiar with. Um, my very good friend Lauren, who I know you've also had on this podcast, introduced me to him. And he introduced me um, to basically looking at the trauma of your past and kind of healing it. And when I did that at first, I, I, I had no symptoms whatsoever for about two or three months. I was completely fine. My energy levels were back. I felt fantastic. Um, and then... Sorry, were you on were you on Humira at that time? No. What were okay? What were you on at that time? Um, oh, it was sorry. between the time that I was taking potentially sulfasalazine. I I was off it for a long time. Um, it might have even been the time that I wasn't taking anything. As I said, to you, I wasn't very consistent with my medication. Right. Right. Um, but. The realizations that I made during that time, they completely turned my life around um, for about those three months. And then I went into a very common self-sabotage cycle, basically, which put me straight back to where I was previously. Okay, um, let's take it back to where you, where you found Ralph. One, one step yeah. at a time. It's very, it's, I think it's incredible what you've been through, and I just want to... For me, just be really clear. How did you find Ralph? Um, so I met Ralph through my friend Lauren, um, okay. who ran an Instagram account that I connected with her through. Is this Lauren Parker? It is, yes. Okay. Lauren okay. Um, and she messaged me one morning. I used to run an Instagram account, which I don't have anymore. Um, and I'd written a post that was kind of a cry for help, really, saying about how much pain I was in and how I didn't understand and kind of one of those self-pitying blog posts and my friend Lauren messaged me and said I really think you should speak to my friend Ralph you should read what he's got to say um 
and she sent me a link to his blog post. So I was in my old house at the time and I remember clicking on the blog post and reading through it and just crying for about three hours because it completely utterly resonated with, with me. It was like I was reading something that this man had sat with me in a room for 24 hours and just written my story. Um, and I started to do the work on my own in private. Um, I did a lot of research and then I finally reached out to Ralph, which was a really big thing for me. Um, and I spoke to him. We never officially worked together, but he was fantastic and so very helpful with kind of the blocks that I was experiencing. Um, and he was kind of basically telling me about how the trauma that we experience in our in our childhood can, can stay with us, basically, and can kind of, that resentment and the repression, the repressed memories that we, you know, hide from ourselves at the time can come out in pain in our bodies. And that was a massive thing for me to realise. Um, and that was when I started to think that, I mean, I always came from a quite a spiritual mindset anyway, but that was when I started to think that actually I've got a real chance to change my life around here and I don't have to just be a guinea pig for the medical doctors my whole life. Um, yeah, so that was, a, that was a really pivotal point for me. Did you, did you, sorry, did you train with Ralph or? Not officially, no. Um, I spoke to him. I don't know if he was officially training people at this point, but I, I was talking to him um, and we had a Skype session. Um, and yeah, we're basically just kind of talking to him on and off. There was quite a lot of resistance from my side as well, because there was, it was almost like he was reading my story. And I think I was trying to sabotage myself from, from learning everything that he had to teach me. So, so for a long time. You, you think that you were skeptical about, about yeah. it? No, I don't think I was skeptical. I think I, I knew what he was saying was right. Um, but there was such a resentment inside of me and a, you know, oh, you can't do anything to change your life and this isn't for you, um, that I almost put that resentment onto him, which I find quite common. You know, you mirror the things that you don't like about yourselves into other people. And that was one of the things I did with Ralph. I pulled away from him for a really long time. Um, and then I'd come back to him in a flurry and be like, oh, my God, that thing that you said to me six months ago, I know what you mean now or okay. whatever. But what exactly was it that... How did you self-sabotage that relationship that pulled you away from Ralph for six months? What was that? Well, he would, he would say things to me about how it was me. The biggest thing that he said to me that made me kind of want nothing to do with him at the time was that the reason I was sick was because I wanted to be sick. Um, and it made me very angry on a lot of levels. And I just didn't, I didn't respond to him and... I, I, I mean, I was never nasty, obviously, but I just, I pulled away from him. I didn't want to listen to what he was saying anymore because I wasn't ready to hear it, really. And I had to go through my own life experiences and kind of have that realisation on my own before I could actually listen to what Ralph was saying. Um, and that was the self-sabotage thing. I knew deep down that I was making myself sick. I knew that, but I didn't, I didn't want to face it. Because obviously when you're sick, you're safe. There's a familiarity in being sick, you know. I didn't have to push any boundaries because if nobody expected me to. I was sick. If I needed to stay in bed all day, then I needed to stay in bed all day. No one expected anything of me. Um, and I didn't expect anything of myself. And that was kind of where I was, where I was stuck for a long time. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, 
Okay, so you pulled away from Ralph. Your remission ended, and you started mm-hmm. feeling symptoms again. Yeah. Is that when you got on Humira? Um, yeah, around the same time, yes. Okay. So you got on Humira, and you still felt physical symptoms of arthritis? Yeah, I, I didn't believe. I still to this, I mean, my view on Western medication is changing. Um, but when I take medication and I have a positive mindset about it and I allow it to help, then it helps. If I take medication and I'm closed-minded and angry about it, then it hasn't helped me. Mm. Um, and that's, that's been a really big theme in my life. And I think for me, it's understanding that the medication is there to help treat the symptom and I'm there to obviously address the root cause. And once I address that, then I, I mean, I have an open, an open understanding with Humira now. I understand that, um, I mean, I'm weaning myself off it now, but I understood that it was there to just help me with the pains and aches I was having. And I was then doing the work to address why I was having those aches and pains. So once I made that realization and that connection, it did start to help me a lot more than before when I was just presenting, taking any kind of medication and thinking it was poisoning my body and so on. Oh, wait, sorry. What was that that you just said? I said that once I made the realization that the medication was there to just help me treat the symptom rather than the cause, and I was able to look at it as a tool to help me, Right. Um, I stopped visualizing it poisoning my body and causing the actual issues. The medication started to work a lot better. Okay. All right. And then you said that you went into remission again. Do you believe it was because of the Humira or did you start working with someone or? No. So the, the, the remission that I am experiencing now and that I believe I will be experiencing from now on, um, I credit to the lessons that I've learned from the people that I've, I've worked with, um, Lauren and Ralph and Sky and so on. Um, my biggest issue was realizing that I had, as I said to you, I had a lot of issues in my past um, and I'd worked very, very hard to kind of get over those and forgive the people that had harmed me and everything like that. Um, but I was still sick. I was still stuck. And it wasn't until I made the connection about six months ago that I had to forgive myself and I had to understand that that forgiveness had to come from me for me that I was able to, to get better. I always say to the people that I work with, um, if fear makes us sick, then love will make us well. And I had to find that love for myself before I was able to fully experience like no more pain and no more symptoms. So um, when did you start working with Sky, Ralph and, um, and Lauren? So I've known Lauren for a fair few years now. And as I said to you, I met Ralph through Lauren. Um, Ralph runs a Facebook group, which um, they all participate on. And it was just speaking with them on that and kind of sharing our ideas and our experiences that really helped me to kind of realize where I needed to be. Um, So when I say working with, there was never any, I was never working officially with anyone as a coach, but I've connected with these people and they've really helped me on my journey. That's incredible. That's amazing. I met one other guy from Mexico who, did you listen to that episode, Jose? Oh, I'm not sure. I don't yeah. know. He did the same thing. He just was on the Facebook 
um, chat and he totally healed himself. He got off all kinds of medication and his symptoms are gone, zero leg gone. So anyway, that's, that's so great meeting someone else that is able to just access this information for free, meet these people on their free websites, interact with them and, and, um, heal and move towards healing. So that's, that's cool. I didn't know that. So that's, that's clear now. Um, congratulations. Um, Thank you. Thank did you read any books or anything that really inspired you as well? Like you must have done a lot of work on your own, obviously. So what was Yeah, um, I, I read a lot. I've, I've always read quite a lot. I started reading books kind of, um, the biggest one for me was uh, The Celestine Prophecy, which my friend Lauren recommended to me. I think she's also mentioned that on her podcast. That book is incredible and I, I keep it with me every single day when physically, but I, I keep the lessons that it taught me every single day um, and also Louise Hay You Can Heal Your Life which was a really really big one for me and really helped me with my realisation that I was hindering myself rather than healing myself um, so those two were really important to kind of my understanding of what was going on mm-hmm. beautiful um, what about diet did you ever play around with diet yeah so I did, and I, I mean, I still, I mean, I'm a vegetarian. Oh, okay. Um, is, that, is that to reduce the pain, or is that, like, your own choice? Uh, regardless? No, so, I'm an ethical vegetarian. Okay. Um, but I did go vegan um, for the, kind of, like, the health benefits about, God, how long ago was it now? It must have been about a year ago, maybe. Um, a year ago? Yeah, I think so. It was was fully plant-based, basically. I went fully plant-based to kind of see. I watched all these documentaries, what the health and so on. Um, And I decided that being a vegan would be the best possible diet for for my body. Um, And it did help. But once again, I believe that diet helps treat the symptoms rather than the root cause. So I choose to eat a vegetarian diet now because it feels the best in my body. Um, I may eat a plant-based diet, but I will indulge in cheese or whatever occasionally. Um, but I was a vegetarian before and I was vegan before and I was in such a different mindset that eating that way affected me completely differently. So, yes, I do believe it's helpful, just as me- medication is, to treat the symptoms. But I think with anything, if you're not treating the underlying cause, you're not going to get anywhere long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree too. I, I fell into that um, that loop, I guess, for many years. I thought the diet was going to cure me, and um, you know, it really kind of just stressed me out more than anything else. But uh, a beautiful, clean diet is the best, I, I think. Yeah. You know, eating well will help anybody. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I'd love to talk about. Uh, Exactly, I guess if you could pinpoint some of the key big lessons for you that you feel you had to face in order to begin this um, this snowball of healing, I guess the change. What are the big things that you had to change? Um, the first thing that I had to realize was that I wanted more for myself. Um, being sick gave me and out basically I could have stayed sick for the rest of my life and 
being called strong and all of these things that people who don't know you say and kind of just cruise through life. Um, and it was realising that I wanted more for myself and that I deserved more for myself that kind of made me realise that I wanted to heal. That was a really, really big thing for me. Um, it wasn't so much uh, realising that I loved myself because that didn't happen for me. I didn't come from that foundation. It was realising that I wanted to love myself and I wanted to feel like I deserved these things. That was such a, a massive like block in kind of building my foundation of healing. Um, the second thing, I think, was realising that I was powerful enough um, again, coming from a lack of self-belief, I didn't believe that I was ever going to be extraordinary enough to, to do this. And through my healing journey, I've learned that basically we all have that power to be whatever we want to be anyway. Um, but I had to make that realisation for myself as well. Um, and the third one was that forgiveness comes in so many forms and that it's an act of compassion. Um, I had to forgive a lot of people in my life and the hardest person that I ever had to forgive was myself that was the hardest the hardest part of forgiveness for me um so making that realization and understanding that forgiving yourself is compassion and not lazy or selfish or, or like you're making excuses or anything like that what, what um, were you what did you have to forgive yourself for so I had to forgive myself for believing the things that I had believed about myself for a really really long time um, for how I treated myself, I treated myself extremely badly. Like how? I, well, because I came from a background of violence, I continued that violence in my adult life. So I was very violent towards myself. I would say horrific things to myself. Um, I was never a drinker because I didn't come from a a place where drinking was ever attractive to me. Um, but I would eat, I'd emotionally eat, I'd binge, um, I'd hurt myself. I would basically treat myself how I was treated when I was younger um, for the belief of believing that that was, that was all I ever deserved, really. And I had to come to terms with the fact that I had to forgive myself for everything I'd done in order to kind of move on and, and start treating myself better. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. What other, um, was there any other lessons that you, you feel you had to face in order to begin this change? Um, yeah, I had to be more open with myself and the people in my life. So I had to change so many things, not just my, you know, how I was treating myself, but the, the company that I kept, um, the family that I allowed into my life, the things that I would outwardly say to people, kind of like all the negativity in my life, really. I had to, I had to realise that that was having an impact on me. Um, so I cut a lot of relationships and, and sorry, friendships and um, kind of activities that I was doing that weren't, weren't good for me and everything like that, really. I had to get rid of all of that and kind of start again, start up fresh and okay. build. I understand. Um, what would you say, uh, what would you say the greatest, I guess the greatest difference between the person you were before your physical symptoms began and the person you are 
now? Gratitude. I'm very grateful now for every single day that I am graced with being on this earth. Um, And before, uh, I never felt that. I never felt grateful. I kind of felt mad about myself and mad about the world. And now I'm just, I'm very, very grateful for the opportunity to learn more um, and to help others learn and everything. I'm grateful for when it rains. I'm grateful when it's sunny. Um, There's kind of a running joke at my work because I work in quite a, busy sales environment and I walk in on a Monday morning and I'm like good morning and everyone's like oh, what are you so happy about and it's like well I'm alive and I'm walking and I'm grateful um, and gratitude is one of the things that I love most about myself because I am very grateful for everything including um, everything that I've built as well um, so that's probably the biggest thing that's probably the biggest change okay yeah it's interesting. I've seen that in a lot of people um, that I've that I've met through this. They all, all are so much happier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, tell me about uh, tell me a little bit more about what you've learned about self love and expression. So self love is probably one of the biggest lessons for me because obviously I I had I had no understanding of it. I didn't even really think it was a thing. If you told me like five years ago to explain to you what self-love is, I'd be like, oh, having a bubble bath or <laughs> like TLC. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what it was. Um, and it's a constant journey for me. I'm constantly evolving with it. But one of the biggest things that I've learned is that in order to love yourself, you have to love every version of yourself because we're always changing. Um, I have to love the version of myself 10 years ago and the version of myself five years ago that was being very nasty to herself and, I have to learn to love that person and look at her with compassion rather than, um, you know, judging her or feeling hatred towards her. Because if you feel hatred towards a version of yourself, then you're not truly loving and understanding yourself. Um, One of the things that I do often um, when I'm struggling with this, because although this is something that I practice daily. Wait, what's something that you practice? Self, self-love okay. and kind of this, this gratitude practice. Although it is something that I practice daily, it's still something that I have to, I have to practice. It's not something that's ingrained in me. Um, is I do a little trick called the goddess trick, um, which is where I will sit down and I'll say to myself, what does the goddess need today? And I'll close my eyes and I'll just say, what does the goddess inside of me need today? And I'll say, right, today I need peace and I need happiness. And then I'll break that down and I'll say, what do I need to feel peaceful? Well, I need to do some meditation or I need to go for a nice walk. Um, or what do I need to feel happy today? And that could be anything. Some days it's I need to sit and read a book. Some days I want to watch Harry Potter. Some days I want to sing and dance. Like, it completely depends. Um, but by breaking it down and kind of sometimes taking myself out of the shoes and saying, what what does, what do I need inside of me right now? Um, because I'm such an emotional person, I can kind of really drill down into to what I need rather than what I think I need on the surface, which is, oh, you need a glass of wine or you need a chocolate cake. Like, I can kind of drill it down to what I actually need. Um, and I use that practice in kind of addressing every single stage of me. So I look at myself 10 years ago when I was in a really dangerous position um, and I say to myself, what does, what does she need right now? What does that version of yourself need? And what she needs is acceptance and she needs love. And she didn't have it for herself. So I give it to her. I give her that self-acceptance and that love. 
and I take away the hatred from the situation. And I have genuine love for that version of myself now, that version of myself 10 years ago that was in such a self-sabotage circle and didn't know any better. I give her love. And by doing that, it gives myself in my present moment love. Um, and I don't know if that makes sense to you, but I guess what I'm trying to say is you have to love every single version of yourself because we're three-dimensional beings. We have good sides, we have bad sides. You know, we've done good things, we've done bad things. But if you're looking back at a version of yourself and you're cringing or you're thinking, oh, God, I can't stand that, she's, you know, that person's still in you, that person, that version of you still there. Um, so one of the biggest things for me was understanding that I can't just love myself as I am right now because I'm going to change. And I might not be this version of myself tomorrow. I have to love every version of myself. And I have to understand that every version of myself is deserving of love um, of all kinds. And that was kind of how I was able to to genuinely say that, that I, I love myself and I'm proud of myself. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's great. It does make sense. Um, did a great job explaining it. It's really cool. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, tell me about what life after illness means to you. So life after illness is exciting because it means I get a chance to put all of the lessons and the hardship that I endured um, to work. It means that I get to make something of them. So one of my biggest passions in life, um, in my in my professional life, is I, I'd like to coach, I'd like to be an empowerment coach, I'd like to help other people. Um, and I also love writing. So I want to be able to write about my experiences and, you know, they say write what you know. And I want to be able to write and, and help people that way. And in my personal life, I've been with my partner for eight years and I want to get married and I want to have children. And I'm no longer fearful about that anymore. Whereas before I'd be terrified to, to think about having kids because, you know, what if I couldn't pick them up or what if I was too sick to play with them or any of these horrible limiting beliefs that I might have. Now I'm just so excited for that day. I'm so excited to run around with my kids and lift them up and twirl them around and all of that good stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. I know exactly what you're saying about thinking that because of uh, some condition, we can't have uh, children or reproduce even. I know I thought that for a long time, and it's just not true. Um, health and balance. What does that mean to you? Health and balance. So I think balance is one of the most important things when we talk about health because we can so easily obsess over something. And when we obsess over something, it no longer becomes healthy. So when I talk about balance, I mean some mornings I'll wake up and it's really good for me to meditate and it feels great. And other mornings I'll wake up and I'll want to have a lion and I'll want to just bury myself under the blankets and read a book. Um, and it's really important that we understand that that's okay that we don't have to be this perfect, chalked-up version of ourselves all the time, that actually to be healthy, we have to understand that life is ever-changing and sometimes we're going to want to do different things. Um, and that's fine. You know, if you want to go and work out, work out. If you if you don't want to work out that day, then then don't work out that day. Um, but I think balance is, is so important for living a healthy life um, because without it, we're not healthy. If you're doing something to the point where it's making you miserable that's not healthy. Um, and I think that's often missed. And this is kind of the difficulty I have with social media and um, kind of the message that that pulls out sometimes. We we see a highlight reel of someone's life and we think that if we're not doing these things every day, then we're not good enough or we're not healthy enough. 
when actually healthy is just doing the best for yourself at that present moment. Um, and that's something I really like to, to preach and to advocate for. Beautiful. Um, personal development. What does that mean to you and what's your experience with it? This is huge, right? Because there's such a tendency, and I, I, I talk to my clients about this quite a lot, um, where they think, oh, but you've healed, right? So, so you're fine. It's like, yeah. So, so what's the answer to this question? And it's, I, I'm 24 years old. Yes, I've, I've healed myself from an illness, and I'm, 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 you know, I'm on to the next thing, but you develop as a person, you're constantly developing, you're constantly changing. There's always something else to learn. Um, and I think it's really important to kind of take the pressure of yourself and realize that you don't know everything and there's still going to be so much more out there for us to learn and so many more resources for us to look into. Um, and that's exciting. I, I want to continue to grow and learn and find more ways to improve on myself and more ways to can better myself and the world around me. Um, and I think that's really important to realize, you know, you don't, don't wake up one morning in no pain and be like, oh, that's it now, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm done forever. No, we, we have lives to live. We have so much more to develop and, and to grow um, and to prosper. Really. So what are your avenues of self-development? Like who would you learn from or, or do, do you need to learn from anyone? Or is there any courses you're interested in taking or anything like that? Um, I mean, in my professional life, obviously, the avenue I want to take as an empowerment coach. I kind of want to look into neuro-linguistic programming, and I'm interested into, in... Wait, sorry. Into, sorry, what was that? Okay, neuro-linguistic. <laughs> neuro-linguistic, okay. Yeah, neuro-linguistic programming and hypnosis. Um, I'm really interested to look into, and I'm also really interested in kind of looking into the traditional cognitive behavioral therapy techniques as well. Um, although it's not something that... I use at the moment and it may not ever be something that I use I do find it quite fascinating the tools that they they use um, in that sort of field of study as well um, especially coming from the PTSD angle as that's something I've also experienced and um, have lived with for a long time well I say lived with I haven't had symptoms in a long time but something that I was diagnosed with and something did, I did struggle with um, I want to be able to kind of branch out and not just help people who are sick, but also people who have suffered from traumatic experiences in that way. And maybe their their illness has come out in PTSD rather than a, than um, you know physical chronic chronic illness. Mm-hmm. So tell me about what it's like to begin a uh, a coaching business. How did you do it? How are you doing it? How does that work? So. It sounds super hippie of me, but it is one of those things where you kind of just, I just woke up one day and I said, I want to do this. This is something that I want to do. Um, I run an Instagram page, a very small one that I write quite a lot on. Um, I kind of use it as a bit of a diary and I have people reach out to me there and kind of say, thank you so much for advocating. Um, You know, I'm having this issue at the moment. Do you think you'd be able to help and so on? And is this um, just for arthritis or is other things you're working um, with people? Sorry. So that's okay. I mean, at the moment I'm working just with people who have chronic illnesses because okay. that's kind of the, I guess, where my expertise, well, not expertise, but where, where I have experience. Um, but 
I mean, one of my clients that I was working with, she actually reached out to me for a YouTube video that I made for Ralph's, uh, Ralph Ruiz's uh, YouTube page, which was a testimonial, basically, of um, how I healed. And she reached out to me through that and basically said, would you, would you help me? Um, and that was when I started doing sessions, and I kind of just got into it that way. It, it sort of just fell into my lap. Um, it kind of knocked on the door, and I just was like, yes, come in. I definitely want to work with you. You know, I, I definitely want to do that. Um, and in the coming years, I'm really keen to kind of develop it into a um, into an eventual business. I don't know how I feel um, about it just yet. I don't know if I'll kind of go down more of the blog route or if I'll kind of want to do sessions or, like, face-to-face sessions. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but at the moment, I just know there's no better feeling than kind of when someone says to you, oh, my God, that exercise you did has helped me so much, and this is what happened to me today, and there's, there's just no better feeling than when someone comes to you and says that you've helped them in that way and that their day is going to be better because of it. Absolutely, yeah. That's beautiful. Um. Quick question, uh, were you, I'm, I'm not sure if folks with rheumatoid arthritis uh, ever have a HLA B27 gene. Did, did they find that with you? I've not heard of it, so I don't okay. think Probably not. that it's something that they, they <laughs> mentioned not. with me. You would know all about it. Uh, did, you, <laughs> did you exercise to feel better? Is exercising something that... Um, yeah, so I love yoga. I do quite a lot of yoga just at home. Um, on my own like home practice that feels really really good um, before I was sick I used to work out quite a lot I never really enjoyed it I just did it because I was supposed to um, now when I work out it's because I love it I love yoga it feels great um, and I enjoy doing it so that's kind of where I'm at with that really cool um, I'm going to pretty much wrap things up is there anything that we didn't talk about that you're dying to talk about or anything you would like to say to anyone out there that might be listening? Um, I think I would just like to say that as somebody who's come from a challenging background and has kind of lived her life with that, I mean, I don't know how you'd say this really, but when you come from a broken home, as they call it, or difficult, childhood um there's a real tendency for people to kind of label you as a statistic and kind of excuse any of my behavior because of the behavior of my my parents and, and that sort of thing um and I kind of just want to say that I am so thankful um to my mum and my stepdad for the upbringing that was given to me because it's led me to this position um and I know that they did the best that they could at that time with the resources that they had available to them. And if I hadn't been born into that into that childhood, um, I wouldn't be where I am today. I'm very, very thankful for it. And I think I just want to say to you and to your listeners that your life is what you make it. Your destiny is your right. Um, and no matter your situation or where you come from, um, the only thing that matters is your heart and how you decide to to, 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 I don't know, take on your life, I guess. You make it exactly what you want to make it, and it, it's all you. It doesn't matter where you come from. It's, it's all in you. You have the ability to make yourself exactly what you want to make yourself, no matter where you come from. 
It's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, there was something you said there that reminded me of something I wanted to ask you. Sure. Uh, yeah, what do you think the major... Why do you think... Why do you think arthritis came to you, specifically? And... Are you great? And, you know, you are grateful for it, so... Um, why are you grateful for the arthritis? Like you were grateful for your upbringing, I guess. Um, the arthritis came to me because I was completely just wishing my life away. I was, I was so under the radar. I didn't want to believe that I could do anything good because I didn't believe there was any good inside of me at all. And by having the arthritis and by getting sick, um, it brought me sympathy for people that I'd never had before. And it was by feeling that sympathy and kind of people telling me how strong you are. I had a real thing with this, right? People would tell me I was strong and I'd physically like feel stronger and bigger and it would be such a big thing for me, such an ego boost. Um, and it was after that happening for a while that I realized that I, w I actually was strong and I didn't need to be sick anymore to, to be strong. Um, I think I've lost my train of thought. But arthritis came to me to show me that I was I was worth more than I thought I was worth. I didn't think I was worth anything. And by getting sick, I had to delve deep and realise that actually I didn't want to I didn't want to live a life of nothing. I didn't want to just be mediocre and boring. Um I wanted to do something special and I wanted to to live the life I wanted to live. I wanted to have a dedicated family and a happy friendship group and I wanted to, you know, share my story with the world because I had a story to share even before I got sick, you know. I, I did come from a from a difficult home and I lived through that and I, you know, I got stronger from it. Um, and getting arthritis kind of gave me the platform to realise that I actually was strong um, and I didn't need to have these limiting beliefs about myself anymore. Thank you. Um, and if you could go back in time and tap yourself on your shoulder when you were diagnosed, um, any advice you'd give yourself? I think I would just say that I love her. I'd just tap her on the shoulder and I'd say, it's okay. I love you. You might not understand it now. But you will understand it, and believe it or not, this is the best thing that's ever happened to you. Okay. Beautiful. Thank you, Ash. It's You're been a pleasure. Welcome. Yeah, real pleasure to have you here, and thanks so much for taking the time, sharing yourself, your gifts, everything with everyone else. Really excited to see how things go with your, um, I guess, your progress, your business, everything. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I, I love what you're doing, so I'm really glad to get to be a part of it. And is there any, um, I'll put the link in the in the description, but is there anywhere, any, do you want people to get a hold of you? Is there a way they can get a hold of you? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, the best possible way at the moment would be through my Instagram, because my blog isn't launched yet, um, which is underscore fairy stone, um, and I'll send you the link so you can put that up on your site. Um, yeah, if anyone does want to get a hold of me, they can contact me on there. I'm happy to speak to anybody um, about anything or answer any questions anyone might have. Okay, cool. All right. 
Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. And um, feel free to write a review or uh, leave uh, or subscribe. Definitely subscribe. (laughs) Okay, everybody. Bye-bye. Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening. Please feel free to subscribe to the show. Or if you'd like, write a review. Let me know what you think. And uh, if there's any topics that you'd like covered, please let me know. Favorite episodes. All right. Bye-bye. The text and audio files contained in this program are for information use only. It is not meant to treat, cure, diagnose any medical health condition you may or may not have. For medical advice and treatment, please speak to a medical health professional.